can I just take a note about Gwen's eyebrows? Oh my gosh, it's on my list. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if that isn't what every girl wants to be. It's that she was Gwen freaking Stefani. Two of my friends are in this video. I see them when I watch it. Shut up. Shut Swear to God. up. Yeah, if you listen to this album 25 years ago, you need a bone density test, right? <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Untitled Gen X podcast, a podcast dedicated to the pop culture that raised us. I'm Lori, a writer and pop culture lover who's stoked to welcome podcasters, writers, and friends, Megan and Wendy, to squeeze every last drop out of No Doubt's Tangy and Tart Tour de Force, 1995's Tragic Kingdom. But before we get into the Gwen of it all, I'd like to tell you a little about Megan and Wendy. Megan and Wendy are longtime friends born and raised in Orange County, California. They are the co-creators of the multimedia lifestyle operation, Long Story Short, with Megan and Wendy. They are moms who love pop culture, travel, beauty, and more, offering real-life stories and realistic solutions on their twice-weekly podcast of the same name. Welcome to the podcast, ladies. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited we were finally able to make this happen. Me too. Oh, and no doubt you guys, you guys are natives of Orange County, California. Yeah, right. An Anaheim girl. I grew up in Anaheim. As did I. <laughs> you guys did. I didn't even know that. Well, we grew up in Anaheim Hills, but it's okay. still, it's, it's the same. It's adjacent. <laughs> yeah, it is. I worked in Anaheim for like 15 years. I'm very familiar with it. And it feels a little bit like my hometown. I went to Cal State Fullerton. So spent a lot of time in Orange County, especially mm-hmm. when No Doubt was, you know, at the height of their popularity. So I feel connected to them in that way. Me too. Totally. So, Wendy, I know that you were an early adopter of No Doubt. (laughs) I was, yes. (laughs) I know you were. And Megan, you were not so much. Well, no. I mean, I have my own No Doubt experience, but Wendy's definitely the super fan. Yes. (laughs) The super fan. The Gwen Stan. (laughs) Oh, the Gwen Stan. Of course. Wendy, tell me about how you came to know and love No Doubt, like in the early years. Well, like I said, I grew up in Anaheim Hills and I can remember being a senior in high school. It was 1993. And I remember all this chatter about this band that was doing a free show at Cal State Fullerton. And it ended up being no doubt. Now, I didn't see them that year. I didn't see them until 1995. January 1995 was the first time I saw No Doubt and they were at the Hollywood Palladium. Oh, that's awesome. I love the Palladium. What a cool venue. It's a great venue. And it was part of a Rock for Choice benefit concert. And it had Fishbone and L7 and Primus and Face to Face and No Doubt was there. And it was like pre-platinum Red Lips Gwen, No Doubt. Oh, it was like pre-glow up Gwen? Yeah, totally. Okay. Totally. So uh, that was my first experience with them. And I remember particularly at that show, they played Just a Girl. And they were like, this is coming off of our upcoming album. 
because Tragic Kingdom didn't come out till later that year, but they were like, right. this is on new material off the album. And like the crowd went effing crazy when they played that song. It was wow. bananas. Yeah. So talk to me about like their energy on stage. Was this unlike anything you had seen? Like what kind of music were you into at the time? Was that new for you? That sound? You know, at the time I was very much into grunge. Okay. Courtney Love and Hole. Yes. That's what I was. I loved all that stuff. And I had a really good friend named Josh who was like, let's go to these shows. These are the best shows to go to. He was very much into like the punk music and the mosh pit and all that okay. stuff. So I would go, he's like this big, huge guy. And I would go and just like be hanging out in the back, you know, enjoying the band's play right. or whatever. But he was the one who dragged me to my first No Doubt show. And the energy that especially Gwen, like she really knows how to like amp up the crowd, pump up the crowd. They give a good show. She's always gave a really good show, Mm -hmm. especially in those early days, because you can sometimes see, and I know we'll talk about it later, but in old video footage of their live shows, like she's just like dripping and sweat and doing air kicks and like dancing everywhere. It was amazing. Wow. I mean, to have been there, like how many people do you think were in the crowd approximately? At the Palladium, it's not very big. It's not. It's pretty small in there. It's really small. And I can't remember. It used to be like a ballroom, I think, like back way, way, way back in the day. So it's pretty small. I I don't know. Maybe a couple hundred people. That's so cool. I mean, it's a rarity to be able to say like, I saw no doubt in a small venue. Well, listen to this. I remember we went to another No Doubt show that they were a headliner, but it was like in a warehouse space in the city of Orange somewhere. And we're talking tiny. So I saw Save Ferris yeah. in a warehouse in Orange. I bet you it might have been in an industrial area. Yep, exactly. It was sort of small. It was kind of a rave. It was weird. So it kind of sounds similar to that. Like it was it was a lot of people crammed into a small space, but the fact that it was in a warehouse and the fact that it was very limited. Yeah. That's a cool experience. Yeah. Super fun. I'm really happy to have had those experiences. It was awesome. And in fact, like later when they got super big, it was like, oh, my little band that I used to love. And it was felt like a very like secret to me, like, yeah, you know, became huge and popular. It was kind of heartbreaking. I mean, I was happy for them, but I like lost my little, it's like they were mine. They belong to me and now they belong to the world. Exactly. So Megan. (laughs) So first of all, you should know that when it comes to music, I'm deeply uncool, like always was still am like, you want to talk Broadway cast recordings. I'm your girl. You want to talk nineties country. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I'm your girl. But Anything cool is not me. (laughs) However, in 1995, early 1995, I was 15 years old. And I feel the need to tell you that I turned 16 in 1995. I was not born in the 80s, but I was 15 years old. And I went out with someone who was older than me like three times. And he was from Anaheim, Anaheim. Like, okay. Like Anaheim proper. (laughs) Like, yes, like went to Catella High School. Locals will know what I'm talking about. Totally. And as we know, the band members, for the most part, are from Anaheim and was friends with them. Like, my memory is like, everyone was like, oh, he's just like 
crazy for no doubt. Like he talks about them all the time, wore the no doubt t-shirt. And I really like 1995 was like the, when tragic kingdom came out, like the beginning of their like bigger popularity, like Uh if you were not cool, you wouldn't really have known who they were prior to that. So anytime I hear the name, no doubt that's my memory is these like three dates I went on with this older dude. And Wendy's not going to believe this, but there was a place in Santa Ana called Coos Cafe, which doesn't exist anymore. But like they played live music and they had like, and we went there. And I'm honestly like, that was the one hour and a half of my life. (laughs) It's like in like the cool music scene. It's over. (laughs) So it lasted 90 minutes. (laughs) But my experience was like, you know, you would hear it on the radio. I enjoyed it. But I wouldn't say their music defined me. So if you'd like to kick me off the podcast now, you can. (laughs) No. Okay. Well, I thought maybe we should start with a brief history of No Doubt and how they got started. Uh, And then we can dive into the album itself. No Doubt, as we said, they hail from Anaheim, California. And the band was founded by Eric Stefani, which is Gwen's older brother, and a high school classmate of his named John Spence. And John Spence was famous for, like, whatever you said to him, if he agreed with you, he'd be like, yeah, no doubt. So that's how they got their name. Tragically, John Spence committed suicide in 1987. So that was devastating for the band. They went through some changes, some iterations, like how are we going to continue on? And ultimately they were signed by a new label called Interscope Records in 1990. Now the band consisted of Eric. He did vocals and keyboards. Gwen did vocals, Tom Dumont on guitar and Tony Canal on bass and Adrian Young on drums. And they released their self-titled debut album in 1992 Basically, it was kind of a flop. It only sold 30,000 copies, but this was the album with Trapped in a Box, which was what I was familiar with. They actually did make a music video for that. Wendy, did you have experience with this self-titled album? Um, I only found it in between that time before Tragic Kingdom came okay. out. So when I saw them live, I was like, oh my God, I need all their music. Right. So I had I had that album. And then the second one, I'm sure you're going to bring up as well. Yeah. So in 1993, No Doubt began working on their second album and their label didn't like the music. So the label hooked them up with producer Matthew Wilder. Now, Matthew Wilder was that guy that had the huge single in 1984, Break My Stride. Oh, ain't nothing going to break up my stride. Yeah. And Eric Stefani was not happy with this development. He was like, oh, no, we want to do music our way. He like started dipping in and out of the band. He eventually stopped rehearsing. And later he left the band to pursue a career in animation. And he's worked on The Simpsons and Ren and Stimpy. But they released their second album, The Beacon Street Collection, on March 25th, 1995 which interestingly is the same year that Tragic Kingdom came out. So it was earlier in the year, but you could only get that album at local OC record stores and at no doubt live shows. So is that where you got it? That's absolutely where I got it. And it today is by far my favorite No Doubt album. Really? Yeah. I mean, they put out a lot of albums. I know. It's my favorite. It's the one I go to all the time. Yeah. I love it. Oh, that's amazing. 
Tragic Kingdom was released on October 10th, 1995. Of course, this was their third studio album. Now, the album is called Tragic Kingdom, and it was named after Dumont's seventh grade teacher's nickname for Disneyland. You know, Magic Kingdom, (laughs) Tragic Kingdom. Dumont said, the whole thing with the album title is interesting because, yes, we're from Anaheim, so it worked on that level. But it also reflected the turmoil in the band at the time. There was a sort of darkness to our world as well. So since we're like talking about Disneyland, let's just take an aside. Megan, this is where you come in. Uh huh. I know that you are a real Disney enthusiast. Mm-hmm. A lifelong annual pass holder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Wendy... You're sort of like a Disney novice. I'm a hater. I it's it's not it's not <laughs> well, my not hat. even a novice, like a hater. We're we're going on the other end. Of the I mean, center. I still go and enjoy it, but it doesn't bring me joy. Like Megan loves it. Okay, so together you guys created an Instagram account called Girls Gone Disney, where you explored the parks together. But first of all, I want to know what that's been like, and secondly, have you been able to continue with that since COVID? So Wendy has, like she said, always been a Disney hater. And then a couple of years ago, <laughs> out of the blue, she got an annual pass. It was like an impulse purchase, right? Like she was there and she's like, we're just going to get an annual pass. And I. It was close to the register. She just yeah, paid it up. <laughs> it's I, just a $500 upgrade on our. I have a kid. <laughs> I have a kid. I know. I know. But it was out of character. And like you said, I have been a lifelong annual pass holder. So while in high school, Wendy was going to these cool live shows. I went to Disneyland almost every Friday. Night okay. Because when I was in high school, an annual pass was like $99. That's what I tell myself. I truly think that's what it was. And I think you could add parking for $20. Yeah, I think it was like 30 bucks to get in the park when we were in high school. It's bananas. So that's where we went every Friday night, all the time, all the time. So when Wendy got her annual pass, we thought, well, this will be great because I have had an annual pass probably for a combined total of 25 years of my Mm -hmm. life. And then, you know, nine months later, Disneyland would close for a year and a half. And so our access to the parks, our desire to spend a lot of time there, you know, annual passes just came back. So that venture has been a little bit on hold for a while. Okay. I'm not sure if annual passes are in our immediate future. I see. When you were active on Girls Gone Disney, what was it like? To have Wendy along, you know, as the resident hater, was she experiencing the magic through your eyes? I would say it's fun to be with somebody who who is excited about being there. When I go as like a parent, it's always like, we got to eat, we got to get in line, we got to, you know, it's like, feels like a job. You're not just there to like experience the magic of it. So going with Megan, she gets really into it. I remember we walked into the park one day and she had like a little skip in her walk. And I was like, (laughs) down Main Street USA. She's feeling it for real. And I was like, wow, you're really into this. Like, and so like, that's kind of infectious. Um, So that was fun. Those were fun, fun times. Oh, well, the Instagram's really fun to look at. You guys check it out. Girls Gone Disney. So from Magic Kingdom back to Tragic Kingdom. Let's talk about the album art. I've got my CD right here, my trusty CD. I have listened to this thing to death. The liner notes are really cool because they're filled with photography. All of these pictures were taken by Daniel Arsenault. And Gwen really wanted her brother Eric to be included on the album cover. 
And it caused like some tension between the band because he was no longer in the band, but he had co-written like half of the songs on the album. Right. And so it was important to Gwen to include him, but you can see like, even on the cover, he's like looking off to the side. And in a lot of these pictures, he's a little bit disengaged from the band. I have this CD still too. I haven't seen it in a really long time. It's packed away because it's signed by the band, but Oh, so cool. I'm such a nerd, you guys. Like, you have no idea. How did you nab that? We went to, uh, there was a huge record release party. I think it was in that vein. Uh, Right after the album came out, they did it at Virgin Megastore in Costa Mesa at Triangle Square. If you're familiar, the record store is not there anymore. Mm -hmm. But there was uh, an area up on the top that was open and they did a free show there. And then after they were in the store and fans just got to go through the line and they signed and took pictures and all that stuff. So that's where I, my goodness, that's where I got it signed. Yeah. And is this, cause you shared with me a picture of you and Gwen. (laughs) Is this where that was taken? That is the day. Yes. Oh my God. We will put that up on Instagram, you guys. So you can check out baby Wendy with baby Gwen. Oh my gosh. Total baby Wendy. I swear to God. It's so funny, but yeah, that was a great day. Like we'd gotten there so early. We knew that there was going to be a free show. We got there early because we wanted like a spot right up at the stage. Right. I'm, I'm talking, we were there hours early that we saw sound check. And that's when we got the picture. Like they took a picture with us after sound check. And so we got to meet like Adrian that day was really cool. The drummer. And then, like I said, afterwards, you went into the store and you could buy the album. I already had it. I got the CD signed and I got the set list from that day that they played. I got the set list that day and Stop. they signed that. Yeah. I wish I had it here with me to Stop. show you. But yeah. Super exciting. That is so cool. You better protect that from the elements, Wendy. It's packed away. It's safe. It's in the house. Okay. <laughs> all of the pictures in the album art, they were all shot in Anaheim and the city of Orange. The album was obviously a massive success. It sold over 16 million copies. It had seven singles and it peaked at number one on the U.S. Billboard 200. All the while, Megan was like, eh. (laughs) (laughs) I could enjoy it, but I got to tell you, man, I was a real country girl in high school. I'm a little embarrassed, but I was. No. Are you still? Yes, but I still like have a heart for like 90s country. Like I still, that would be my preference. I see. Yes. Yeah. So you're not into like Gwen and Blake Shelton country? Well, I'm not into Blake Shelton. (laughs) I'm not his biggest fan, period. So (laughs) I enjoy her, but not so much Blake. I really love Gwen too. But Gwen with Blake, like if she's happy, I'm happy for her. It's just, it's in my feed a lot, you know, in my social media feed. I don't really know how I feel about that. I'm sort of like, okay, I get it. Like you're super in love. Yay. Yeah. I remember when they started dating, I was like, Ooh, protect those billions. Gwen, don't let Blake Shelton come and steal them. (laughs) Anyway, I can't believe that they got married. Shocked. Wait, wait, wait. While you talk, I'm looking at Blake Shelton's net worth because I don't think he's done too badly for himself. No, I don't think he, I think he definitely has money, but I think. But does he have Gwen Stefani money? Gwen Stefani money. His net worth is 80 million. And what's hers? And hers 
is 150 million. So I don't believe that. that. She's got to have more money than that, right? She's been like famous forever. Right. Like since Plus we were young people. line has to have clothing. Because that's where they make all their money too. She had perfume and yeah. handbags. Yeah. I don't... She's got a, an eyewear line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Multiple sites report her net worth as $150 million. Huh. So at the Grammys in 1996, No Doubt earned nominations for Best New Artist. They lost... Leanne Rimes won. Speaking of ah. your country, your 90s country, Megan. She doesn't make the list. Okay. And they were up for best rock album, but they lost to Sheryl Crow. I wouldn't consider either of those albums rock. Right. I kind of thought that too. So weird. I kind of thought that too. But then I thought like, okay, so there isn't an award for like best ska, punk, reggae, fusion, pop, no. punk, new wave alternative. So like, I guess you just call that rock rock yeah. yeah tom dumont said it's the honest truth that we didn't expect it to break through and become a success at all we were writing the album in such a naive but good way we were writing it for ourselves and to prove something only to ourselves and to make songs we loved but guess what tom we all loved it well maybe everybody but megan but we all I loved it. enjoyed it i didn't <laughs> dislike it at all. I enjoyed it. And I still, when I hear it, it's very like r- brings me joy. And when I was listening to the album in the car the other day with my 14 year old, he's like, I know this music. So it's oh. not like, you know, and he's not my music kid. My daughter's my music kid. So the fact that he knew it, it still brings me joy. I enjoyed it. I did not dislike it. I'm totally giving you a hard time, but <laughs> let's talk about the track list. Like what's your favorite song on the album? But is it so cheesy to say that it's just a girl? Like, how do you hear that song? And not? I have always loved that song. And I feel like it was maybe a little bit ahead of its time. Like, the 90s were not that long ago. They actually were that long ago, which is so (laughs) devastating to my heart. But yeah, no, I mean, it was sort of like a feminist anthem. I I can totally see why you love that song. What about you, Wendy? Uh, My, I have two favorite songs on the album. The first one is Excuse Me, Mister. I love it. And Sunday Morning. Excuse Me, Mister. Do you remember the music video for that? I do. I vividly remember the music video for that. Especially that one scene. Well, it's like, you know, she lays on the train tracks. Right. But that's like the music that's really fast and kind of, uh, I mean, I'm not a music person. Like, I don't know the terminology for it, but the music's really fast during that time. And it sounds kind of like old timey is the best way to describe it. (laughs) It does. I I don't know. It's sort of like chaotic circus music, like old timey. I don't know. Yes. But what I love the most about that video was her style. Mm -hmm. She looks so good. She almost looked like Harley Quinn. Right. Absolutely. You know, and that smoky eye Mm -hmm. and like her kind of crazy hair and that sort of bedazzled bra strap look and the, um, the arm sleeves, the striped arm sleeves. That was a look. That's right. Cause she wore the, um, what are they called? Yeah. Arm sleeves. Arm right? sleeves? Yeah. With like the thumb holes. And yes. The, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't know. What are those called? <laughs> Did you ever sport those? No. Me oh, neither, no, no, no. But I thought they were so badass. I was not cool. 
at all. I liked music, but I was not cool. The only thing that like was inspired by Gwen that I would wear would be like maybe the little hair clips, (laughs) but that's it. The hair clips. I used to rock the belly shirts and I also went out like specifically because Gwen wore them. I went out and bought a bunch of Dickies. I was like, I wear Dickies now. (laughs) And what are those called? Web belts. Oh yeah. I I wear Dickies and web belts and I never wore like those huge, um, like the huge platform boot things, like the really, really chunky. uh, Maybe I had a pair of Steve Madden's. I don't know. My husband used to call those four wheel drive shoes, (laughs) (laughs) but I used to wear the really chunky, um, tennis shoes, like with a super big platform on them. Yes. I, I loved her style. Uh, Me too. It was like marrying pinup with grunge in a way that felt. My husband was also like super rockabilly at the time. He was in a swing band for a time and whatever. So yeah. So we were like sort of involved and enmeshed in that culture. So it was like to dress that sort of pinup look, but with modern flair was, I don't know. It was fun. She gave us permission. Totally. Yeah. Because I don't, I can't recall another female celebrity at the time that was so kind of progressive in the way that, you know, she was like beautiful and feminine, but super badass at the same time. And I can't think of anybody during that time who else was like that. Right. I mean, there was Courtney Love, but she was like so extreme in terms of like grunge and rock, I would say. Right. Who else was like that? Right. Because there was a femininity to it. Right. But at the same time, she was so strong. Like she could do push ups on stage and like she was just badass and she wasn't afraid to get ugly. And even when she was getting ugly, she was still beautiful. You were like, well, if that isn't what every girl wants to be, you know? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. The quality of her voice, it was unlike anything I had ever heard. Mm -hmm. I will say a re listen to this album. I was like, "Mm." I still think she has a great voice, but there's, on some songs where it's kind of like whiny almost. Oh yeah. No, totally. (laughs) I get what she's trying to like prove in those songs with this kind of like baby whiny, like it doesn't like do anything for me, but I still think she has a great voice. And on some of those songs where she almost, I don't want to say yodel, but like she gets in that like real high range where she'll, I don't know. I'm not going to even attempt to try to do it here. That would have made good pod. Uh, No, 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 no. <laughs> but yeah, I still think she has a great voice. I do too. And I thought that she really showed off her vocal skills in The Climb. I really like that song. I know a lot of people, because I have been reading a lot of comments about this album. A lot of people are like, that song is entirely too long. Like it's over six <laughs> minutes. It's really long. I always really love that song. And I thought she sounded amazing in it. That is not an easy song to sing. And believe me, I used to try. So let me share my nerd card here. I loved The Climb as a 20-year-old. I typed out the lyrics and printed it and hung it in my I bedroom. I love that. I thought it was so motivational. Like, I thought it was a good song. I love that song, but God, I was such a dork. I love that song too. And I always thought it was like about overcoming obstacles and all this. And in reading like the internets and what people say about it, People are like, oh, that's totally a song about sex. Oh. So I reread the lyrics with that in mind. And then I was like, well, now I feel like the song is ruined. And I hope I didn't ruin it for you because I really don't think that's what it's about. But it could easily be applied to that. 
Well, I will give it another listen today with that. Uh, yeah, I, it might ruin it for you though. <laughs> like I felt disappointed and a little bit dirty after I did that. I was like, oh no. My gosh. Do you want to jump into Just a Girl? Let's talk about the first single. Yeah. So this song was about Gwen's frustration with the fragile female stereotype. And it was the very first song Gwen wrote without her brother. And Gwen told People Magazine, my parents were quite strict with me and I was living at home, even into my twenties. And I would have to come home and knock on my parents' door. And it was frustrating because I was already like older. I can remember thinking, wow, I'm in the car right now. I'm driving home. It's like one in the morning. And if something did happen to me, I'm vulnerable because I'm a girl. And you start to think, wow, maybe people actually look at me different because I am a female. Were your guys' parents overprotective? Mine were for sure. No. <laughs> no. no? Well, at that time, you mean just in general or during this time? Yeah. Like at that time in your life, when you're like in your later teens or early twenties, particularly, you know, if you're still living at home. Yeah, no, I was, I was 20. I was still living at home. I don't believe I had a curfew. I did not have a cell phone. So if anything happened, like, I don't know, I was just on my own, but yeah, no, they were, I think because I was 20, they were like, yeah, you're on your own kid. Okay. And Megan, what about you? Well, when I went to college, I went to college in LA and my mom was like, you're not allowed to leave campus alone. No, 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 not alone. You're not allowed to leave campus at night. And I was like, okay, mom, (laughs) like you can't. And look, I have always been a good kid. I was Mm -hmm. not fun in college. (laughs) So I was not going to get in any trouble, but yeah. And when I came home, I still had a curfew and, you know, I think they were just like, don't tell us what you're doing, which was never anything bad, but they were very overprotective. And like when I worked in a mall as a teenager, they were like, never walk to your car by yourself. You know, they were those those parents. I lived at home through college and I had a curfew and I remember I had to be home by midnight. So I'd be at a party, not doing anything bad, whatever. I was with my boyfriend, now husband, and I'd be like, okay, guys, you know, bye. I'd say my goodbyes. And everyone's like, why are you leaving so early? Like we probably got to the party at 11 like <laughs> or 1030, right? And I'd be like, oh, I have to go home. And the question I was just asked this over and over again, people would be like, how old are you? And I'd be like, I'm 20. And they're like, what? And so I came home. I remember like one night I came home and I said to my my mom was up. She was up ironing. Okay. Nobody (laughs) irons that late. My mom irons a lot. Like that's 100% true, but nobody irons that late at night. My mom would always just play it off. Like I'm just up, but she was waiting for me. And so I came in, she was ironing. I'm like, mom, we need to talk. She's like, what? I think he was like very afraid of what I was about to tell her. I'm like, mom, I'm old. I'm too old to have a curfew. I'm so embarrassed by this. I'm asked about it regularly. Like, what can we do about this? And she was like, okay. I mean, it's just, you know, you have school every day and you need to get enough sleep and whatever. And I was like, no, I just, I need to not have that curfew. I won't be home super late. I just need to not have that curfew. And she was like, okay. She said, okay. And I was surprised by it because she was kind of strict. And, you know, I don't know that I ever made it home past 1230 on any day. Like I was tired. I just didn't want the curfew. You didn't want that restriction. And I didn't want to drive like an asshole to be home by midnight, which was what I used to do was far more dangerous than just 
walking in the door at 1220. Right. You know? Agree. Did she still wait up for you? Yeah. And she would just be like, oh, I'm just getting ready to go to bed. And I'm like, okay. Like now my son is 18. He's going to be 19 um, in a couple of weeks. And I have a very hard time going to sleep when he's not home. It's very yeah. stressful. <laughs> I will totally wait up for my kid. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to definitely be that mom because I know what I was out doing. So I, you know, I wasn't oh, the greatest girl. kid. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm going to wait yeah. up for her. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And I mean, I wasn't even out doing anything bad. I was like you, Megan, I was a really, really good girl. I just didn't want to go home yet. Like you're just yeah. hanging out, not doing anything. Yeah. I didn't love, especially once I would come home from college and you've gotten this like tiny taste of freedom. And now your parents are like, well, in my house. And of right. course I went to college when I was 17. I was still a baby when Oof. I moved out. And so I was like, I have this freedom. And then they would yank it away from me on the weekends. And again, not doing anything. I just didn't want them to tell me what to do. And my dad would stay up waiting for me too. And he was like, we can't go to bed when you're not here, which as a parent, I understand. And 1230 is so late. Like the idea of staying up, I don't stay up till midnight. Oh my God. It's horrible. Yeah. The idea of that in my future stresses me out. I have to stay up so late to wait up for the kids in a couple of years. Right. So the song peaked at number three on the Billboard Hot 100, and it became like the battle cry for 90s girls. It was just everywhere. And we all sort of could identify with that song in some sort of way. The music video was directed by Mark Kaur, who has directed videos for like Green Day, Primus, Shakira, Alanis, Tori Amos, Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, bunch of cool people. We open on the band loading instruments into a car while Gwen stands in front of a smashed car at her grandparents' house. It's in the background. That's the Beacon Street house. The apparently. Beacon Street house. And that's where they recorded the songs on their second album, correct? Right. Exactly. So they had like a makeshift studio set up. I think in the garage they did. I don't, you know, I read some information. One will be like, that was Gwen's grandparents' house or it was her childhood home. There's like not clarity, but from what I remember, it was her grandparents' house. Okay. So I think that house ended up going to her parents'. Oh, okay. I don't know. It was a house in the family. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about Gwen's look, her L-E-W-K, her look. (laughs) She's wearing a white belly shirt with an Anaheim applique. Yeah. Yeah. She actually ironed that on herself. I'll have you know. It was so cool though. It was so cool. I know. She's wearing handmade baggy gray pants that have like a tuxedo stripe down the side. I thought those were so cool. Uh, a web belt, an army green jacket, and she's wearing saddle shoes and her hair with that like severe part and the barrettes. Mm-hmm. So that was the look that you used to. Yeah, know. absolutely. Deep side part. Yeah. Yeah. It was cute. So we see Gwen seated in the back seat of a car between Dumont and Canal. And they had said this was the drive from Orange County to Los Angeles to play a show. So they were very familiar with that drive. They used to do it all the time. Can I just take a note about Gwen's eyebrows? Oh my gosh, it's on my list. (laughs) I have that later in my notes. We have to talk about her eyebrows. I mean, they are classic 90s brows. 
But oh, wow, girl, wow. we all have suffered. Ever we all since. had a yeah, yep, 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 for Freaking sure. Freaking Drew Barrymore and Gwen <laughs> Stefani are to blame, and they are the two people keeping all of these microblading places in business right now. <laughs> And you just got your eyebrows microbladed. They look fantastic. Well, thank you. Yeah, I need to do that. I highly recommend. I love it. Does it save you so much time every morning? I mean, yeah, a few minutes, but it's still like I could still get out of bed and go. Like I don't, I looked crazy. I just looked crazy without them. So yeah. I draw these in every day. Megan too. It's the bane of my existence. Megan's are so blonde. Like completely blonde, you can't see them. So I didn't really like learn that I should be doing my eyebrows until I got to college. And one of my roommates was like, Hey, how can I help you out? (laughs) (laughs) So that's when I started penciling my eyebrows because I don't know, nobody told me. And but I saw so many comments about Gwen's eyebrows. They're like, How did she get them back after just that severe like tweezing? Because who maybe they're fake, but everyone's like, They have to be. Yeah, they have to be, right? Because how would they survive? I really don't know because mine look like trash. And there was a time in the 90s, like they just kept getting thinner and thinner and shorter and shorter. I don't know what I was doing. I don't (laughs) know what I was trying to accomplish. There was a time my husband was like, "Um, your eyebrows, (laughs) they look like a Rottweiler. (laughs) like, I'm never getting them back. They're gone. There was like an eyebrow apostrophe phase. Like they were just like short, <laughs> little, like apostrophe like- shape. Like that stopped like midway, like at your pupil. That was me. <laughs> me too. I got so bad. Yes. And I thought they looked great too. <laughs> I looked good. <laughs> I'm still mad about it. Like I was watching that video and I'm like, (sighs) this is such a lesson for our kids. And it's like, okay, cover up her eyebrows and look at the rest of her because she's gorgeous everywhere. So it didn't even matter what her eyebrows looked like. It's not that her eyebrows were making that look. It's that she was Gwen freaking Stefani, right? With that red lip and that platinum blonde hair. And you're like, well, if the eyebrows are definitely the defining part. Right. Like she didn't need those. Whereas like, I need my eyebrows really, really bad. In the video, the band arrives in LA, they immediately split off. Like the male band members, they head into a dark and disgusting gross men's bathroom with all their like instruments and gear. And they start setting up to play. And Gwen walks into this beautiful, bright, flowery, clean women's restroom. Like, okay, so her outfit has now changed. She's wearing that red, white, and blue tennis belly tank. Yeah. She bought that at a thrift store. Oh, really? She did. So cute. And she added the rhinestones to it herself. And her hair is in like victory rolls. I love that. I used to try to do that when my husband would play swing shows with his band. I used to try to create these big victory rolls like Gwen had. I was so bad at it. Yeah, I tried to. Could you ever do it? Never. Mm -mm. It's Mm -mm. really hard to do. Well, I have really fine hair too. Yeah. And so I didn't realize like maybe if I had the right product, I could probably get it to do it. But I, yeah, I couldn't. No. 
she looks so good with like her, her like very aggressive cat eye and that red lip and very pinup. She looks so cute. Yeah, really cute. And that's kind of one of her iconic looks too. If you think of Gwen from the 90s, mm-hmm. I see her in those blue pants and that little white tank top. Mm-hmm. So we see men enter the restroom, start using the urinals while the band is playing. And then women start entering the women's restroom and they're all checking their makeup. Now, Wendy, you have a story to share about this video. I do. So if you recall my story about being at Virgin Megastore in Costa Mesa, we were there and there were, I don't know if it was like production people or casting or whatever, but they were handing out these flyers saying, hey, do you want to be in a no doubt video? Yes, of course. I want to be in a no doubt video, right? Yes. So my friends and I were like, definitely, definitely, definitely. And there was like a phone number to call, whatever. So I remember talking to the people on the telephone. Oh, God. A couple days prior with a cord. I remember it was in my bedroom at my parents' house. And they were like, what's your style? And I was like, I don't have, I mean, still today, I don't have any style, but I was like, oh yeah, I'm very alternative. And like, I was selling myself. I was like, yes, for sure. And then I just let the anxiety get the best of me. I was like, I can't go because I'm going to show up and they're going to like turn me away at the door. So wait a minute, Wendy. So they said like, yeah, you can come. And then you made the decision not to. Yes. 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 Oh, this is the story of Wendy's life, by the way, telling herself now. Seriously, I have so much regret because two of my friends are in this video. I see them when I watch it. Shut up. Shut up. Swear to God. One of my friends, Jen, is the girl, one of the girls who's primping. Like, you know, they have those like, I mean, it's, it's a split second, but. But she's there. She's there. And then my friend, Josh, he's a real big super tall guy and you can see him like in a like mosh pit in one of the boys bathroom scene <gasps> when they're like yeah. pogoing when they're yep. like jumping and dancing you can see him yeah yeah so I just have so much regret like I really let my anxiety get the best of me that day I was like oh god they're gonna turn me away I can't do this no I'm not gonna go so much oh, regret Wendy I know. You're, like, you're like Lauren Conrad the girl that didn't go to Paris right <laughs> Like you had a Hills moment. I know. I am so sad about it. So I feel like when I watch that video, I feel like such regret (laughs) makes me so sad. Oh my gosh. I don't think they would have turned you away, girl. I saw that picture of you with, with Gwen. You looked like you had plenty of style to me. Oh yeah. Wearing a backpack. Yeah. Super cool. I was totally nineties and I'm sure you can't see, but I I'm sure I was wearing Doc Martens too. And that, yeah, I was. It was a baby backpack. That was very much the look. I was. I remember exactly what I was wearing. I was wearing black docks. They were short ones. And I probably had white like socks on (laughs) and a black mini skirt and a peach top. And yeah, that is some style. Not really, but (laughs) God. Not compared to like a lot of like the cool kids who were like in like overalls or baby tees or whatever. I just wasn't, I couldn't pull it off. So, so your friends who, who went and they were in the video, like, did they talk to you about their experience? Was it cool? I don't remember specifically like what their experience was. Mm -hmm. I don't remember if they got to hang out with the band afterwards or if it was just like, okay, you guys come in and then you guys come out or probably didn't want to hear it. You're like, don't tell me. I know I've blocked all that out. 
I know. It was so funny. I was showing the video to my daughter yesterday and she's like, oh, did they get paid for that? I was like, no, they didn't get paid for that. It was just fucking cool that you were with this band in this iconic video forever. She's like, but I don't understand why they didn't get paid. I was like, oh God, you got paid in awesomeness. Like you got paid in street cred. That is cool. (laughs) You would have paid to be there. I absolutely. (laughs) So, okay. The men and the women, they all start dancing in their respective bathrooms. Uh, The men end up like hoisting each other over the ceiling tiles. Uh -uh. They all get into the women's restroom and they're all like partying together. And Canal said it was a commentary on society. And DuPont said it's like unity between the sexes at this point, to which Stefani said it's more equality. Now, no doubt you might not know this. They went directly from this video shoot to the airport to begin their tour. And they didn't return home for two and a half years because when they went on that flight, the album exploded and they literally circled the globe three times before they came home. That's nuts. Well, they had so many singles come off of it, right? So you're just like out there promoting, promoting. Yes. I think they had like, did I say seven singles? It was a lot. Yeah, it was a ton. Yes. So the YouTube video has been viewed over 75 million times. And I was looking at the comments. <laughs> Someone said, this is low key. My workout song. I'm just a grown man. <laughs> <laughs> Someone else said, this is true. Badassery right here. An actual feminist. And then someone else said, is it weird that I sang this song in nearly every situation? It's kind of like a universal song for feeling like people underestimate you. I think it still stands today. I think it'd be like a super smash hit if it came out like in 2021. Don't you think so? Me too. I mean, it sounds like fresh and new mm-hmm. as much as it ever did. I think it totally holds up. Yeah. So speaking of going on tour, I remember, so like you said, they left and then, and then they didn't come home for two and a half years. Well, yeah. when they did finally return to Anaheim, they played at the pond in 1997. And I went to that show and I remember just feeling so sad because I had seen them in these little warehouse shows. And now here I'm at the pond where it's huge. And I had like terrible nosebleed seats. Right. And I was like, so sad. It had so changed everything production, the show, just everything. The crowd was different. Uh, it made me so sad. I was so happy for them. But so sad. But at the same time. Yeah. I saw them around that time too. I saw them at Cal State Fullerton at a K-Rock Breakfast with No Doubt. I remember listening to that on yes, the radio. I was there. <laughs> I actually have pictures. I'll put it on the gram, like taken with like a 35 millimeter camera. <laughs> the pictures aren't great. Gwen and the band are pretty small because I was pretty far back. But um, yeah, I was there and I'll post those pictures okay, on the gram. Cool. That's the only time I've ever seen No Doubt. Oh, really? Yes. And I've never seen Gwen in concert as a, as a solo what? artist. What? Oh, my God. Oh, you my have? God. Yeah, several times. Have you? Well, I've seen No Doubt several, several times. Early days and later days. Okay. And then I've seen Gwen, I've seen her in her Las Vegas show. Cool. And when she did her first, like, support of her first two solo albums that came out, which are some of my favorites from her. I love those two albums. Saw those at Irvine Meadows. I love Irvine Meadows. That's where I saw the Lilith Fair. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) Irvine Meadows was a great 
venue. It I'm there. so yes. sad it's gone, but I will never forget. I was pregnant and we, <gasps> and went to that, to her show. And I was like, told it was my husband and I, I was like, we got to go. I'm exhausted. I got to get out of here. I'm tired. I thought the show like was ending. And as we're walking out, I hear her come back on and she goes, surprise. And she brings out the band and they played like a set and no doubt set. And I was like, no. And you were just trying to beat the traffic out of the lot. I was like so pregnant and tired. And I was like, I can't, it was not quite midnight yet, but I still had to get out of there. And I just remember crying in the parking lot. I was like, let's just sit here. I want to just listen to it. I was so bummed. I was so sad. Such a loser. What a memory. Yeah. I don't blame my kid for being <laughs> pregnant with her. I couldn't it's hang anymore. Your fault. <laughs> okay. So I thought we would talk next about the third single, Don't Speak, which obviously huge, huge hit. So the original version of this song was written by Gwen and her brother, Eric, and it was a love song that Gwen described as more upbeat, more of a seventies rock type thing. Now I was able to track down a YouTube video of the band performing the original version in 1994. I'll link it in the show notes. It is a totally different song. Is that where he's playing the accordion? Yes, there's an accordion. It's so bad. There's an accordion. Enough said. It's a totally different song. (laughs) Gwen's hair did not look good in that either. I mean, like I know it's sort of a home video, but I was like, "Mm, no, no victory rolls there. That's how I remember seeing her prior to like, she got her glow up. Like that's what she looked like before. I mean, still stunning. Like, Mm -hmm. I I mean, I wish like not on my best day. Could I look like that? But (laughs) you know, but even in the actual video for this, this is not her most glam look like the clips she's wearing are like the straight up, like from a beauty supply. Had those totally wore those. (laughs) Absolutely. And if you notice in this video, she's not even wearing eyeliner. Gwen always wears eyeliner. Yeah. Like she looks, she's so beautiful, but she's wearing like regular olds, like great lash mascara. There's no falsies. There's no heavy eyeliner, but she's still wearing that like beautiful vintage blue dress with the white polka dots. I thought that was so gorgeous. I was on the hunt for that dress. I never found it. Well, it's so funny watching it now. I was like her middle son who I can't remember his name. I think he's Zuma is her middle son looks just like her. Like just that same little baby face. Like she looks so, they all look so young. I know. Gwen and Tony Canal, they dated for seven years and they broke up in 1994. And so when they broke up, Gwen rewrote this song as a breakup song. Now, reflecting on the 25th anniversary of the song, Gwen told Variety, Tony was my first real boyfriend and I was tragically obsessed with him. When my brother quit the band and then Tony quit me, it was a really hard time. I lived at home until I was 26. I was quite sheltered and innocent, you know, I just was. So I depended on Tony for so many things, like to help me with my homework, everything just to survive and live. So he was her everything. And when he broke up with her, like it hit her hard. And seven years, I mean, he was her first boyfriend. I had read in an article that Gavin Rosdale was her second boyfriend. That's so crazy, right? Yeah. I wonder what the age difference is between him and her, too, because it was like he in the band and her brother's band, and she was kind of like the young girl hanging around, like 
you know, I don't really know. Like, I don't, I know that she and her brother, like they performed somewhere when they were pretty young together. And I think she always enjoyed performing, but I think when Eric was in the band, at least initially, I think she was primarily doing background vocals. Uh, yeah. So the song peaked at number one on the billboard hot 100 airplay. It was nominated for song of the year at the 1998 Grammys. And so in regards to the video, Tony said, we didn't want it to be about a normal breakup. So we thought, what would be the saddest thing that could happen? The band splitting up. So that's what the video is about. I hated that narrative of band being like jealous of Gwen's superstardom because I was Uh like, I was so invested in these people. And their careers. Right. I was like, oh, no, they're not jealous of Gwen, but like probably could have been, I guess. You know, you work together as a band for so long. And then finally, when you hit, it's like she's the big star and they're like the background band. I I guess I could see that there was probably some jealousy there. Rumor has it that the band was actually in a rough spot right before filming this video. And they decided to film it anyway because they thought that it would be therapeutic. But Gwen told Variety, the band was becoming the shadow of me. And that was really hard for them. There was a lot of tension between us with the band feeling like I was being put in the spotlight more than them. That competition that they felt we couldn't really enjoy the success. Mm -hmm. So like part of this was true. Wow. That's Mm -hmm. so crazy. But that makes me sad for Tom and Tony and Adrian. (laughs) Our buddies, our best friends. You know, they're like my besties. The music video was directed by Sophie Muller, who had directed videos for like, like everybody. She has directed, like, I swear to God, more than a hundred videos, like the Arrhythmics, Sade, The Cure, Sarah McLaughlin, Garbage, Beyonce, Rihanna. Like she's the woman. And she actually also directed a Sunday morning, which we will talk about. She directed, excuse me, Mr. Also. Yeah, that's right. In the opening scene, we see a shirtless Tony on a hill in the moonlight, picking a rotten orange from the tree and it's got maggots inside. And from there, that's when we cut to that like warm toned garage setting where the band is playing and they have very solemn, serious faces. And in between these scenes of them playing this song, it's intercut with live footage of them kind of like playing in slow motion. I don't know. It's kind of Mm -hmm. weird. And it's from a real show at the Roseland Ballroom in New York City from August 96. And this is when we see Gwen in that bedazzled yellow belly tank top and uh, wearing trip pants. Mm -hmm. You never wore trip pants, did you? No, no, never. Not cool enough. (laughs) I could never perform push-ups like that either. So, you know. (laughs) But like throughout the video, Gwen looks so pretty. She's barefoot. She looks like she's about to cry. We then see them, the band at a photo shoot. And Gwen is wearing those like old Hollywood waves with that like big old diamond choker. Uh huh. Like she's looking at herself in the mirror and the band is like waiting for her. They look so bored. And then a photographer like puts the band together and then pulls Gwen out in front. And, and we see the band getting like increasingly annoyed. And then We see just a picture of her featured in a mock-up of a magazine. The band is jealous. They end up breaking up. They storm off. And then there's a moment in the video where Gwen is like singing directly to Tony. And I felt it. Like in his face, right? In his (laughs) face. Yeah. I can't even imagine like having to deal with your ex like that and singing these songs over and over and over again. 
knowing that they were written about him. I know. I had never seen this video before and I was watching it and I was looking up because I'm not good at like, what's the meaning of the song? I'm never that person. I like someone has to tell me what the song's about. And so hearing like, obviously this song is in direct relation to their breakup and was rewritten after that. And just, I was like a teenager and a young 20 something who went through breakups and can fully feel that. Like, just, I know what you're going to say. Don't say it. Like, I don't want that memory forever. And then watching it, I was like, man, this is really speaking to like young Megan, not (laughs) married for a million years, Megan. I was like, this is so sad. Don't tell me because it hurts. Yes. (laughs) And I always... I always feel for celebrities, like for a long time, felt really bad for Jennifer Aniston, who had to see her ex-husband in his new relationship all the time. And I always thought like that must be so miserable. And I was thinking, how hard must it be to go on with your lives and be so intertwined that I thought that was. I I mean, you're in a band together. You're basically all married to each other, right? you're together all the time. You're doing all the publicity all the time. You travel together. You know, it's just, you're so connected. And then to be able to stay in a band all those years after a devastating breakup. And then of course, like I'm sure Tony moved on. Eventually Gwen moved on. Like it must be hard to see each other move on, Mm -hmm. especially if things ended badly. I mean, I'm just surprised they were able to stay in a band together. I know. I know. Well, you know, so funny. Speaking of Gwen moving on, I remember No Doubt was opening for Bush. And I believe that's how she met, you know, Gavin, which during that time, so cute. Mm -hmm. He's still very fine. Very handsome. Anyway, so can you imagine like their relationship starting off and like there's Tony too, but I mean, he's the one who dumped Gwen. So exactly. Like who dumps Gwen (laughs) Stefani? I know. Well, who jumps Jennifer Aniston? So, I mean. I know. Karma's a bitch. Look how that worked out. I know, right? Mm-hmm. So the video won best group video and was nominated for video of the year at the 1997 MTV Video Music Awards. And this video has been viewed over eight. 146 Whoa. million times on YouTube. All those angsty teens who are like, I can feel this song. Girl, <laughs> it's true. I can say that this is one of my least favorite, no doubt, songs. It just simply because of how much it was played on the radio. Like yeah. even today when it comes on, I will change the station because I can't Me do it. too. Oh Same. my gosh. That's Same girl. So funny. It's too much. Like at the time, I I remember I really loved it. And then it just, it got so big. I was like, and we're done. Yeah. And and plus, like I wasn't into like the no doubt ballads. Like I loved like the dancey, upbeat guitars, horns. Like that's the no doubt that I loved. Right. And I think that's why I always fall back to that Beacon Street album, because like that whole album top to bottom is dancing, upbeat. And it's very high energy. So yeah, it's funny. I want to point out, and I don't know if you, you guys saw it. I'm a huge Foo Fighters fan. And in this video, yes. there's like a dream sequence that Tom Dumont is having. And he's playing guitar with Pat Smear from Foo Fighters. Yep. And I was like, what is the point of this in this video? I couldn't figure out like, why was he there? I don't know. But yeah, you can totally find that in the video. And I saw that actually mentioned in the YouTube comments. I missed it. 
Mm. And I went back and I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I was watching. I was like, wait, that's Pat Smear. What's he doing right here? I'm like, yeah. It's very cool. So weird. But I know that Tom comes from like a heavy metal background. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. He has like, he came from playing in like metal bands. That's why, like, if you ever really listen, like, his guitar riffs are, I'm speaking like I know what I'm talking about. But I really don't. But like, his do you guitar- work for Spin Magazine? Like, <laughs> right? Hire me, Rolling Stone. He has such great, memorable guitar riffs throughout this whole entire album. Like at the very beginning of Just a Girl, like when you hear that guitar, you know what song is coming on. Oh, yeah. It's just like, I just love him. So anyway, he came from this like um, heavy metal background with, you know, heavy guitars and whatever. And so I was like, what's the deal here with this little sequence in this video? Like it looks like he's having a daydream is he dreaming of not being in this no doubt band like and moving on prefers to be back in his rock days with, you know, is he going to join the future Foo Fighters. I don't know. Well, I don't, I think he's retired now. Do you mm. know what he does now? I don't. I think he plays with other bands now, but like, anyway, uh, he lives locally here in Orange County too. Oh, does he? I remember running into him and his wife at Crate and Barrel at South Coast Plaza. <laughs> Shut up. I, I'm such a freaking stalker. I, like I had noticed him and I saw his wife and I was like, is that Tom Dumont? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, ah! and then I like walked away because, you know. You're like, what did they buy at Crate and Barrel? So I, I can buy like, it were, too. Were you shopping for couches? What, what, <laughs> what was happening here? Yeah, I don't know. So in the YouTube comments, this was a funny one. I just wanted to tell you, someone said, when my boyfriend broke up with me four years ago, I ordered a large burger, fries, and a soda, and I ate it while crying and listening to the song on the loop. (laughs) It felt liberating to be enjoying my sadness in this way. If you ever face a breakup, do this. The song is perfect for it. Oh my gosh. Eat that burger, girl. A (laughs) 14-year-old. I appreciate that. Okay. Sunday morning. Now I know like we could have talked about, excuse me, mister. We could have talked about spider webs. Spider webs is a super fun video too, (laughs) especially like the phone cords. The minute they get all tangled up in those phone cords, I'm like, kids today have no idea what they are struggling with. I think the video is super fun, but I wanted to do Sunday morning because it just felt like real camaraderie with the band, like from a breakup to like happier times. Right. I love Sunday morning. This is one of my favorite songs on the album. I love so much. There's a song called 16 that that is right before this track and it flows right into from 16 into Sunday morning. I love it so much. It's like my favorite part of the album. I love this video. I love the song. I remember when the video came out, it was on 120 minutes. Do you remember that show on MTV? They played like alternative videos on a Sunday night and I recorded it on my VHS tape. Nice. I was so excited. It premiered on that and I had taken it to my friend's house the next day. We watched it together. Like such a nerd. I love the song, but I will say the rewatch of the video yesterday. I was like, it feels so low budget. Oh, it feels low budget to you. <laughs> I loved it. It has a real hometown feel. Right. It feels, I mean, elements of it feel kind of authentic and sweet. Like it felt like a Sunday, just them together practicing in the garage. It wasn't that, that their family house also. I think they were, they shot it at that, at that same house. Yeah. Yes. 
And so there's that scene where she walks to the to the convenience market. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I wonder if that's local around there. She goes to M&M Market. It's a real market in Anaheim that's still there today. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Yeah, that's it's so cool. Funny. And in terms of the video concept, Dumont told Complex, that video was just trying to capture that kind of really simple, silly, sweet story of our friendship, especially coming after Don't Speak, because the Don't Speak video was about us fighting and who wanted to come back to that. Both of those videos were fictional, but covered different aspects of our friendship. Did you know, though, that the guy, you know how in the video, there's that guy that like is walking the street, the lonely guy. Yes. That's Terry Hall. I did know that. Okay. Terry Hall is the founding member of the specials and two-tone ska royalty. So he's not just a nobody. He's actually someone very important. I love that they put him in there and only like... I'm going to say true ska fans, but no, I didn't know. I had to look it up, <laughs> but so did I, uh, I still think it's so cool that, cause it's such a, like a, a wink and a nod to like the music that they loved, right? you know? So yes. yeah, that was awesome. I loved it. And of course, like we said, they were actually in the garage of her family's house and that is located in the Anaheim colony historical district. Oh, so, interesting. yeah. I want to talk about Gwen's outfit here. Okay. She's wearing a black Cardi and leopard print midi skirt and black sandals. Uh And then she ends up changing them out for like leopard platforms. Okay. I wore this exact outfit. Like this is not a joke. Like I literally (laughs) based it on her. I wore this exact outfit to a wedding in 1997. No way. I did. That's so funny. I did. My leopard skirt was velvet. Uh, It did have a lace bottom and I wore big old chunky platforms with it. And I felt like the shit. I felt so pretty. I'm like, everyone knows this outfit. Like, I felt like I was wearing like JLo's infamous dress. Like, I felt like everyone at the wedding knew what <laughs> I know, was doing. I'm dressed like Gwen. <laughs> like, yes, I'm Gwen from the Sunday morning video. Yes, you guys, look at me. We look exactly alike. It was yeah. very on trend. Oh, I very on trend. I still like that cute, like, girl, I know. Like if I could pull that off today, I would Mm -hmm. wear it today. Totally. I mean, with like a sensible tennis sneaker. (laughs) (laughs) Like girl at this age, I cannot risk rolling my ankle because I would. And then what? Like we would have to have surgery because we're like over 40 and it would just be a problem. It'd all go downhill from there. Like we're fragile. Like bone density is a real concern at this age. <laughs> Take your calcium, you guys. Yeah. If you listen to this album 25 years ago, you need a bone density <laughs> test, right? <laughs> so she's also wearing those victory rolls in this video. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I love them. Oh, so good. Yeah. So she looks good. so cute in this video. Just so youthful still. I mean, still she was in her twenties. Girl, right? she Late looks 20s. youthful now. I she know looks, she does. She looks younger than all of us. I know. And she's either 50 or just slightly over 50. Yeah. Like she looks freaking amazing. I, I can only hope that I will glow up into that in the next few years. <laughs> I read an article on her. I, I cannot cite this. So forgive me if I get it wrong, but like she mentioned something like someone's like, how do you stay in shape? And she was just like, pretty much. I'm just low grade, always hungry. And I think oh. about that all the time. I'm like, 
Gwen looks great. She's always looked great, but she lives her life always hungry. And I'm just really not okay with that. I'm not okay with that either. I don't want to live my life that way. And that makes me sad that she feels that she has to live her life that way, that she has to look a certain way to be Gwen Stefani, you know? No doubt. (laughs) So it was funny to me because it's like, okay, they're preparing this big spaghetti dinner. I'm like, Gwen Stefani never ate a carb in her life. Like, who are we kidding? (laughs) But like, did you notice when she went to the market, she bought cans of tomato sauce? Yeah. And they actually have her in her red dress. From the album cover. Yeah. On the label of the tomato sauce. Yeah, Yeah, isn't that cute? cute. It was so cute. cute. But she was like chopping away at those tomatoes, like to the beat of the song. (laughs) It was so dangerous. She was not looking at what she was doing. So of course she cut her finger. I'm like, Doug, Gwen, look at what you're doing. I'm sure that was based on real experiences, like making food after they rehearsed or whatever. Yeah, I loved it. That part, like at the bridge of the song, though, where she does like her, oh, hello, who are you? You know, looking like you used to. Okay. She, <laughs> she looks like possessed in that moment. I don't know what yes. that bridge is about. I don't really get it. Do you get it? Cause I don't get it, but I did notice that in the video, it's just a shot of her face. Right. And she's making all those like crazy faces. Yeah. Like that's like, what do they call that lens? Like a fisheye lens, like kind of like, like you're looking through a people. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't get that part. I don't either. Tom drops an entire pot of pasta or sauce. Was it just sauce I think all over the sauce, floor? Yeah. Yeah, that was a big mess. And then Gwen brings the pasta outside. Like the rest of the band is there. Like, I don't know, the horn section, all those people. The horn section. <laughs> That's Gabe and Steven. <laughs> is that true? Is that their names? Yeah. You know, uh-huh. this to be true. Oh, see, true fan here. Gabe McNair and Steven Bradley. Yes. Oh. The horn section is one of my favorite elements of their music. I love it. They still play with her, with Gwen during the, um, the her Las Vegas residency. Yeah. So I love them. That's so cool. They begin dishing up their food, their, their pasta, their salad. There's no garlic bread. Did you notice this? I mean, only hungry <laughs> girls would notice this. I was like, there's no bread here. They had the wine, they had the pasta, they had the salad. I did notice that. Adrian poured the wine into, into the, the pasta. pasta. Is that a thing? I don't know, but they all laughed and seemed to enjoy that. Like, oh, you're so playful. <laughs> I was like, dude, but I don't know if that's a thing or not. I don't, I don't know. know. You know, it's funny though, that Terry Hall, the lonely man, he's still over there just kind of watching. They never invite him over. I know. I don't, I don't understand the purpose of him being there, but. And then they get into, oh my God, a food fight. (laughs) Have you ever, like Kate and I have talked about like things in movies and and videos and stuff, like things that just don't happen. Like, you know, that sexy hotel key dangle moment Uh in movies, like that doesn't happen Uh in real life or like a Uh sexy car wash fight. Like that doesn't happen in real life. A dance off. Thank you. I wish it would though, right? I mean, I would love to witness it. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to participate in it. I just <laughs> exactly. want to watch it. Yeah. Exactly. But like a food fight, does that really happen in real life? Has have you ever engaged in a food fight? Not once. Never. Yeah. Never. No. Especially with something like spaghetti. My mom hat comes on. I'm like, oh, I have to clean all that up. Don't do that. Like, yeah. This is the dumbest story. I'm gonna tell it anyway. One time we had spaghetti for dinner, whatever. The kids didn't finish their food. 
They dumped it into the garage, uh, the garbage. My husband's like, okay, told my older son, take the garbage out to the trash cans outside. My son did not tie the bag. He decided to like hurl the bag into the trash can. Spaghetti went everywhere outside. It was like, it was disgusting. And it was so hard to clean. And so when I was watching this food fight, I was like, oh God, somebody actually had to clean this up. Like production had to clean this up at the end. Somebody had to pick out spaghetti noodles from the grass or off the cement. Yes. And I have done this. So I know what a job, what a chore that is. Oh my What a gosh. disaster. <laughs> and like, if someone hurled spaghetti at you, wouldn't you be pissed? They're all like, ha ha, having a good time. Yeah. No, thanks. Wet noodle right in your face. No, thanks. Oh, and my hair. No. And Gwen looks so pretty. Like her outfit's so nice. Do not get <laughs> tomato sauce on that. She might wear that to a wedding after this. <laughs> you just never know. Do you have any final thoughts on this song? No, it's one of my favorites though. I just love it. I know it was the final video that they made. Yes, it was. It was the fifth single and it was the last video. In terms of the album and No Doubt and their legacy, on November 22nd, 2002, No Doubt received the key to the city of Anaheim. Oh, cool. Yeah, given by the mayor. They actually received it at Disneyland. Oh, that's fun. Isn't that fun? Yeah. That is fun. And in January 2003, No Doubt performed in Super Bowl 37 at the halftime show. Oh, I didn't know that. They did. They performed with a bunch of other artists, though. So it wasn't just exclusively their halftime show. Shania Twain, No Doubt, and Sting. What a random lineup. They're trying to hit all the (laughs) We're like, we got our country fans. We got our alternative people. (laughs) Really funny. In 2003, the album was ranked number 441 on Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. They went on a big tour in 2004. I didn't really see them when they were out supporting all the... I think it's like Rocksteady and Return to Jupiter. Like I didn't go see them play during that time. Yeah. You know what? I kind of fell off of, you know, my love for No Doubt at that time. And all I remember from that time was like Gwen showing up at the MTV Video Music Awards with blue hair Uh, and that blue bikini top with the braces. Yeah. Oh my God. The braces. I forgot she had braces. (laughs) She looks like she's from outer space. Yeah. The last time I saw them play was in 2012, and that was for their last album, Push and Shove, and it was at Universal Amphitheater. But I think that's the last time they toured together. It is. And actually, that album, Push and Shove, they started working on it in 2008. It took a long time to pull together. And that was the last tour that they did. And Gwen recently told Variety... I don't know about No Doubt. We had so many years together and we all have families now and that's just our priority. I can't really imagine what the future holds with that. We had done some big shows together, a bunch of festivals probably six years ago, and we knew that that was kind of the last thing we were going to do together. That's so sad. I don't like that. It sounds so final. I know, but they never had like an official breakup, right? I don't think so. I mean, their website, Active... 
I mean, everyone still really loves No Doubt. I don't think there's animosity. I think it's just Gwen's like, I'm busy doing my own thing. We're all busy living our lives. And maybe someday they'll change their mind. But this sounded like, no, we're done. Yeah. I love that Push and Shove album too. It wasn't very popular, but I liked it. And I remember that show was really great. They did like three nights in a row at Universal Amphitheater. It was a really good show. Oh, wow. So No Doubt has sold over 33 million records worldwide. But from bands that are no longer to the dynamic duo of you guys, Megan and Wendy, Ah! (laughs) you show no sign of slowing down. I want to know, how did you guys meet and begin working together? We met at a blogging conference in 2011, Blogger in San Diego. We had met on Twitter prior to that. So okay. we were aware of each other. And then we met in person. And then for a long time, we were just blogging friends. We would do blogging events together and go to conferences together. And then about six years ago, I think is the timeline. A little earlier than that, I started to say, hey, to Wendy, we should do video. And she's like, nope, I'm not doing that. And then I just said it as is my way many, many more times. <laughs> and finally she was like, what? A- okay. So long story short began as a YouTube channel. We both yes. had our own separate stuff. We began as a YouTube channel and then it kind of morphed into, we kind of left our own individual things behind and it became our main online focus. So it's a website. And then in early 2020, we had said, let's take a break from video. And then the universe was on our side because video would have been impossible shortly thereafter. And so September of 2020, we launched Long Story Short, the podcast, and we put out two episodes a week. And it's great. I think it's my favorite thing we've ever done. You guys are so good at it. It feels so effortless. When I listen to Long Story Short, I feel like... I'm literally in a room with girlfriends. You have such an easy way with each other and you're very engaging with the audience. And of course, you guys talk about a lot of things, a lot of things that are very relevant to my life. You guys talk about travel and beauty and, you know, your favorite products and you, you guys test things out and you market as approved. And so I know (laughs) that when you guys find something really great, you share it with your audience and you stand behind it. You kind of make fun of each other the way friends do. (laughs) You know what I mean? You have like such like a good history and rapport with each other and you know each other so well. It really comes across on the podcast. When I started listening to your podcast, I was like, this is what I want the Untitled Gen X podcast to be between Kate and I. It's just this effortless, easy time with friends that people can count on twice weekly is a big undertaking. How do you guys manage that with your busy schedules? Planning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I would have we to have be. To go right ahead, down. Megan. We had to have to sit down and like get it firmly on the calendar. And I think we're both really good about being as faithful to that schedule as much as we can, recognizing right. like things happen. We are flexible, but we do prioritize that. And yeah. our second weekly episode for this year has been Hallmark original movie recaps. Yes. And so it helps like there is prep for that. Of course, we have to watch the movie. We prepare notes, but it does help that that calendar has been planned for us, so to speak. So in terms of content creation, it's not the same as our main episodes, which come out on Tuesday, where we're coming up with the main topic every single week. 
Right. And you guys have talked about like the change in routine of going back to school, what it's like to plan summer vacations, the reality of that as moms, we all know that that's all like it all just kind of falls on us and you guys juggle family and career and friendship and you talk about it all in a way that's just so relatable and candid. And you guys are actually really active on your Facebook group. The long story shorties Facebook group is an awesome place. You guys have a lot of engagement. Your community is fantastic. It's very small. It's dedicated. Yeah. That is Uh, hard to do. It's a great group. Hop on in long story shorties. (laughs) I love it there. It's very supportive environment. You guys talk about everything. And of course your Hallmark movie recaps. I'm so excited for you guys to be tackling some of the holiday movies that are coming up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is very much in the lane of like, Megan's a longtime lover and I'm a hater of these things. So this is how, you know, our dynamic works, but. And I think that's why it works. I think that's what makes it so fantastic. And you guys do, you talk about like, you know, meal planning and holiday stuff. And it's just all the stuff that we're all sort of frazzled thinking about and, and to hear you guys talk about it. And I don't know, it just helps me sort of organize my thoughts. It's funny because like, I don't always agree with you, Wendy, and I don't always agree with you, Megan, Dare you. but like, I always agree <laughs> with one of you. It's not like, oh, both of these girls, like, I can't relate. Like, depending on what we're talking about, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm with Megan on this one. Oh uh-huh. yeah, I'm with Wendy on this one. I think that's the goal is that we're really, truly trying to have like a girlfriend conversation. We're all in like, you know, a time in our lives. We're parents, we're busy volunteers or have a career, but we still Mm -hmm. also have like things that we really love personally or Mm -hmm. hobbies or whatever. And I just want to talk about all those things. And Mm -hmm. I think there's like a lot of stuff on the internet that we're not seeing for where we are at in our lives. Does that make sense? It does. Like where we are in our lives with our kids getting older and Mm -hmm. more independent and what that looks like and the space then to sort of start to maybe come back to yourself in a way that you haven't been able to for a long time. I mean, you you have both been parenting bloggers for a long time and I was as well, where the focus is so heavy on parenting and it still is. Family is obviously a huge part of this, but there's also this other part and it's not small. It's who am I now in middle age as my kids are getting older? What do I have for me? And it's almost a rediscovery of yourself too, because who you are now is totally different, right? Totally. Absolutely. So do you guys get together and see each other socially? Podcasts aside, long story short aside, you know, do you guys like hang out? We do. We do. Yeah. It took a few months for me to be comfortable, but even during COVID, it was like, Hey, let's have a driveway day. And we'd put our chairs 10 feet apart and sit and have coffee outside. But yeah, in normal times, we're real life friends and we've, you know, traveled together and we hang out and celebrate birthdays and holidays. And yeah. So what do you guys have coming up with long story short that we can all look forward to? Well, one thing to look forward to is like we said, we do Hallmark recaps and countdown to Christmas started. So Yay! we are doing a holiday one. There are two every week, but we choose one to recap every single week on our Thursday podcast. And then our website, meganandwendy.com is full of holiday content. We love our holiday gift guides. So there's so much holiday stuff there. You guys have gift guides for every person on a list. <laughs> 
Who does the research? How do you guys pull all that together? Uh, We split it. That's Megan's favorite project of the year to work on. She loves it it so much. This is another yin yang Megan Wendy thing because I love Christmas and Wendy's a Christmas hater, although I'm dragging (laughs) her kicking and screaming. Like I think she's come around a little bit in years past, but I love the holidays and I love a holiday gift guide and I really enjoy the creation of them, but it is a full team effort and we you know, really dive in on those rather than like, I don't love the gift guide for men, gift guide for women. Like we don't like that, but Hey, let's really niche down. You're a person who likes to putter in your garden. We've got a gift guide for you. Right. (laughs) I love that because like, I'm sort of a Christmas hater. Hey, hey. (laughs) you know, I have written about this extensively that in my family, God bless my husband. He works really, really hard. He's very involved father and husband, but he does not do Christmas. Christmas is essentially my job and it feels really big and insurmountable. And so when you guys put out your gift guides and I know, I just know you guys are killer gift givers. You guys have talked about this a lot about like what you want for Christmas. And so I love that someone has put in the time to like research this stuff and I could just go there and be like, these are really good gifts. Like I know what people are interested in. I can just drill down and I can find a gift there and I know it's going to be a good one. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's a real team effort between the both of us, but I just do what she tells me to do. Those are the best kinds of relationships sometimes, you know, your dynamic really works for you guys. And it's evident. Thank you. Get to know Megan and Wendy. You can find them on the web at meganandwendy.com. They have a blog. They have a podcast. They have a YouTube channel. They even have a shop. You can get your Megan and Wendy, long story short, merch. That's right. And get to know their Facebook community. Long story shorties, check them out. They're on Instagram at Megan and Wendy LSS for long story short. And of course, their twice weekly podcast. I'll put all their links in the show notes so you could check them out. So I'd like to thank you guys so much for joining me. It was such a pleasure to have you on to talk about No Doubt. Thank you. Our beloved so much no fun. Doubt. Yes. And to you, Gen Xers, thank you so much for joining me. If you're enjoying the pod, I'd like to remind you to rate and subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on the web at theuntitledgenxpodcast.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at theuntitledgenxpodcast. We hope you keep in touch, beautiful people. Bye.